Help them, uh, help them move in. Uh, you did a great job with those large and long couches. Way to go, guys. It was really, really awesome. I went there with my flip-flops trying to avoid the labor, but I got sucked in. You know, but I had to, had to work, which is good. Um, you know, we're, today is our last of a series of four topics of a heart condition. And if you're someone who really wants to change from inside out, Amen. you're probably paying close attention to the heart conditions. All of these heart conditions are something we're afraid or unwilling to admit. The first one was greed. Remember, we really never met a greedy person, right? No one says, hi, I'm greedy. Can I borrow some of your money? You know, we don't really, they don't really introduce themselves that way. The second was, was the guilty person. You know, they, they feel like they owe you something. They don't, they don't say I owe you, but they act as if they do. They owe you. The third one was anger. They feel like they're owed something. You owe me an apology. You owe me this. You owe me that. The, the, the condition of the heart. And this morning's lesson is on jealousy, which I phrased, God owes me. God owes me something. And it's hard to, to understand, like, how could God owe me something when, when I owe him everything? But it's there, as you heard Karen. It, it kind of resurfaces back in, whether you're a Christian or not. The concept of being a jealous person it, er it erodes and destroys yep. relationships. As Karen said, it, it, her number one byproduct of jealousy was she didn't even trust women because she was jealous of them. Let me define the word for us if I could. There's probably a few other definitions, but this one I thought was encapsulates uh, the word jealousy. Jealousy is a passionate desire to have things happen the way we want. Now, it cuts both ways. In the Bible, it's, almost, it's the same word for zeal, for, for things for good for God. Like, I'm zealous for God's name. I want to do things for God. God is jealous of other things because he wants you to do himself. It's a good part of the word. But then that's the, that's the God-centered part. But I want to focus on the, on the self-centered part of this condition of jealousy. I need things to happen the way I want them to. I want my boyfriend to react the way I expect him to, or my girlfriend, or my spouse, or my children. Why are his children so awesome? Why, what's, why can't I want my kids to be like those kids? It just, it just surfaces in every aspect of our life. Yes, it it's there. You know, in Proverbs 27, Jealousy, uh, 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 Renee, can we cut off this light right here if you don't mind? Thank you, bro. Jealousy, in Proverbs 27, anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? You know, we can deal with an angry person, right? We know that fury will subside. But who can stand before jealousy? Because it's very slow to surface. You know, was I, when I was growing up, I was envious of people with lighter skin color than me. I just wanted to be a shade or two lighter. That's all. Just a shade or two. Because I always, always get the comment, man, you're really dark. And I'd hate that comment. Because I was the darkest looking Latin guy in the, in the room. And it was kind of odd that I was so dark. So I just wanted to be a few shades like my brother. My old brother Danny was a perfect skin color that I wanted, but I didn't get. I got my mom's skin color. 
When I was older, it was about my abilities. I just needed to be four inches taller <laughs> to get a football scholarship. Or four inches taller just to kind of look like I wanted to look. I just needed to be a little bit taller. You know, I struggled as a kid going to Disneyland. I had to be the one that, I had to be the one, my dad maybe, and I just tried to cheat a little bit. So I started to spike my hair up. And that seemed to solve the problem. But it didn't make me taller, it just made me appear a little bit taller. You know, little things, even as a Christian, I wish I had that temperament, or I wish I had the way he communicates something to someone else. I wish I had that self-control. I wish I had that, that insight or that wisdom. Even as a disciple, it, it just seems to find its way into my heart, and I'm sure your heart. Amen. But it's not about the things we lack. It's not about our looks, or skill, or opportunities, our health, our cars, our houses, our weight. It's not about that. Here's the problem. We think that God skipped us. You ever heard that joke? When, when God was handing out a brain, he didn't give you one. Har, har, har. Remember that one? <laughs> and in some part of our psyche, we think that, hey, did God skip me? Did God not think this through? Did God not foresee the challenges I would have with what he has given me? Does God realize that I have to live my life this way? We think God was ignorant. We think God skipped us. We think God was defective in how he made us. And we're constantly reminded of that when we see people who have something that we don't. And we're reminded. We just got to face some of the facts that if God had taken care of us, that he, the way he had taken care of others, we'd be much better off. We'd feel so much better if God gave us what they had. But there lies the deceit. <coughs> Therein lies the problem. Our problem isn't with people who have what you don't have. It's really about God. And he owes you something. He owes me four inches. He owes me two shades of light. And the problem, the reality is, I'm very light. I just have a dark farmer's tan. Notice. <laughs> the problem wasn't God. The problem was me not putting suntan lotion on my arms for way too long. And therefore, people appear, I appear very dark. And therefore I am. When I took off my shirt to go swimming with my kids, my kids were like, whoa, Dad, you're almost white. I said, really? <laughs> I was almost encouraged. <laughs> then I realized it was the farmer tan. When we see something in someone else that we want and we don't get it, how could God have missed that? You ever get a little uh, jealousy or a little happy when someone that you are jealous of or a situation and they have a minor setback and they come to you like, oh, bro, that's oh, terrible. It's awful. Man, I'm going to really be praying for you. But in your heart, you're, that's what you're feeling. And outward, you're like, oh, but in your heart, you're going, I can't help to be a little satisfied. 
It's there. How do I know this? How do I know this? How, why are you laughing? Because it's true. It's so true. You're like, <laughs> That's you. That's me. We do it all the time. You didn't get that quarterly bonus. Well, man, try harder, Bob. Pray, pray for you. But you're kind of happy you didn't get that bonus. It's what we do. It's in our hearts. It makes us happy just a little bit, doesn't it? And the people we are jealous of can't fix our feelings because they're not the problem. We think they're the problem. Well, if you just didn't show off your stuff, I wouldn't be jealous of you. Well, if you weren't so pretty, I wouldn't be jealous. They're not the problem. The minor setback, the little weight gain, it makes us feel better just a little bit temporarily. It's only a temporary, oh. But as long as jealousy goes on unchecked, in your heart, no relationship is safe. If you let this sink, because you have to come clean with it. So many times we don't want to admit we're jealous. We're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be spiritual. But it's there, and if you don't deal with it, no relationship is safe. Yeah. You're, you're living a, a paranoid life, especially if you're dating a girl. At best, it's paranoia because jealousy is so rampant. Now, the guys don't make it easy. When I was dating girls, it was, you know, they, they understood that they weren't the only one. And so there's a lot of jealousy in my, in my, there's a lot of conflict there. But when I became a Christian and I got married, there was a solid commitment Amen. to my spouse Amen. that I ain't going anywhere. We can take that one off the table. Security, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. I have no plans of going anywhere. I was always jealous of the guy who got the, the good-looking girl. Because that was the guy who didn't have the girl. So if you don't have the girl, you're always jealous of the guy who has the girl. You're going like, how did he get that? I don't want that. How did that happen? So I practiced harder on the sports field. And I still didn't get the girl. It wasn't about them. It was about me. And it doesn't register with us that the problem isn't between us and our friends, our co-workers. It's really our relationship with God. Yeah. Right. Why didn't he make my smile better? Why did he give me crooked teeth? Mm, amen. Why doesn't my breath smell like spearmint? <laughs> Why am I not a little taller? Why am I not more funnier? Why am I not more outgoing? Why am I not easy going? Why do I get mad at everything? Why am I this way? Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, we're not above jealousy. No, we're not. Sometimes we think we're above all these enemies of the heart. Going, That's a good series, Gio, but for them. But it's a series for all of us. It's a heart condition that hits young and old Christians alike. It's a heart condition that hits everyone in our community. And here's Paul addressing the, the brothers in the church. In verse 1, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, 
but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? You know, the church here prided itself on wisdom and knowledge. They, they think they had it all figured out. But look what happens. Look at the obvious. What made them worldly was jealousy and quarreling. Two marks of immaturity. Jealousy and quarreling. It stunts our growth. It hurts our relationships. We can't get close to people. We keep an arm's distance at best. How worldly, worldly have you become in your Christianity? Is there quarreling among you? Is there jealousy in your hearts? Then you're not growing. You're stunted. Look at me in James chapter 3. Another great scripture about how we like to hide it. James chapter 3. Turn there with me in verse 14 of James chapter 3. Jealousy. We like to hide it because it's an ugly condition. We like to hide it behind a smile or a hug. But it's there. But we're very slow to admit it. Verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote unquote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. You know, the Bible is peppered with people of God who got jealous and envious. Yep. Let me give you some examples. Cain and Abel. Relationship destroyer. His sacrifice was better. God tried to reach out to Cain to no avail. Who could stand before jealousy? Joseph and his brothers. Joseph had a special relationship with his father. And his, brother grew, his brothers grew jealous. And so they kidnapped him. They sold him into slavery. And they told his father he was dead. Jealousy. It destroys relationships. And for many years, he never got to see his family until he was an adult male. Saul and David. Saul was jealousy of, of the accomplishments of David. Put him in his army. And the people began to chant his name more than Saul's. And Saul wanted to kill him. Hunt him down. Destroy him. Moses and Korah. Korah was jealous of Moses' authority. Didn't like it. Rose up against him. King Herod and Jesus. Remember that one? Another king? Nah. 
So let's go kill all the two-year-olds. Make sure he's dead. Jesus and the Pharisees. Jealous of his influence. Are you jealous of another person's possessions, wealth, assets, their job placements, their advancements, their power, their leadership, their authority, how they get recognized and you don't, their prestige, their abilities, talents, or skill, their accomplishments, their intelligence, their logic, their social standing, communication, how they're intimate, how their marriages, their experience, their beauty, their age, their weight. <laughs> their good fortune. Man, they all they're so lucky. They always get why doesn't Lady Luck land on my side? It's always on their side. Doesn't matter what relationship it is, whether it's father and son. Whether it's mother or daughter, there will be conflict. Whether you have friends or co-workers, amongst disciples. There's been some immaturity in our church. Too much quarreling. Too much envy. Because we wanted that person to respond this way, and they didn't. Oh, man. Oh, they weren't humble. <laughs> And we went, as a disciple, we spiritualize it. We want them to, no, they need to respond in this way or else they are not doing well. It may be true in some respects. But more importantly, how are you conducting yourself? Amen. We fight. We quarrel. Why? Because we desire to have things happen the way we want it to happen. We want this result. We want that. We want this. In fact, we want to control that person's response. It should be this way. In James chapter 4, I think I have it here. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desire that battles within you? You want something, but don't get it. We want to blame someone else. We want the other person to admit what we see. In essence, we want complete control of their life. We want the Jedi mind trick, right? You're wrong in the situation. I'm wrong in the situation. You, you hurt my feelings. Do you see that? I hurt your feelings. I do see that. We want complete control. And when they don't respond the way we want them to respond, it angers us. Happiness does not come in trying to control other people's lives. There is no hope. You end up suffocating your relationship. You avoid each other. You want the other person to behave this way. If you behave this way, I will trust you. If you don't, then I will not. Both involved. Both hurting. What's the solution? Well, you kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. 
What James is revealing to us is something so amazing and so powerful. He's saying, look it, you can go to God and stop trying to tell God to change that person's heart. You know how we pray that? God, change them. They're so prideful. Change their hearts. Humble them out. And God does, sometimes he doesn't answer that prayer. Let me give you a little secret that I discovered in my marriage. I've discovered that I can't change Karen. I've tried. I've tried very hard. I've tried to use anger. I mean, that'll do it. I've tried to use aloofness. The what? Huh? I don't know what's going on. I try to use silence. I've tried almost everything a man could try in his marriage to change <laughs> my wife. I cannot change her. I cannot control her. The more I try to control, the more the bigger she got. She's like the Hulk. <laughs> Stop doing that. Here's, my, here's what I found out. God can change me. And when I changed... She did exactly what I wanted because I changed. She was exactly what I wanted, but I wanted to change her. I didn't want to change me. Right. It's easier to change someone else, or I just try to yeah. in my mind, than change me, change my condition. That's harder. And that's what I was unwilling to do for years. So there's rubs, and there's conflict, and there's quarreling, and there's fighting, and I don't get what I want. So I, I, I pout, I get angry, I go to the garage, I avoid, I don't respond to text messages. Oh, let me just like that. Maybe I'll give her a, a sad smiley face. <laughs> to get a result, to get her to change, versus just me changing. He's saying, James is saying, bring your deepest desires and your unmet needs and let him know about it. He's giving us permission to tell him what we're really feeling inside. A lot of times we're praying that God will change them. And we're not telling God how painful this is. My unmet needs, my hurts, my pain. We can approach the throne of God with confidence. In 1 Peter 5, he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. In the Greek, all means all. Everything. Give it all to God. Give all that unmet needs and anger and frustration and disappointment you have with, with your, in your heart to God. Nothing too small, nothing too big. Why? Why does God want us to do it? Because if it's important to you, it's important to him Amen. because he cares for you. Yeah. Do you believe that? He cares about you, your situation specifically cares. Cast your anxiety on him. Stop pouting. Stop locking yourself in your room. Stop giving people the silent treatment. Stop it. Go to God 
and tell God what you're feeling. God knows what you're feeling already. Yeah. Uh -huh. So just admit it. That just tells you how prideful you are, right? It's like when your kids did you something, you know they did it. You're like, well, well, they're trying to explain it away. Well, it's over here. It's over there, Dad. It's over there. You're going, just tell me what it was. That is who we are sometimes, aren't we? We're so slow to admit to God the obvious to him. He wants you to ask. Because what happens is in James 1 verse 7, I think I have it up here, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All the more reason to tell God how we truly, truly feel. He's not bipolar. He doesn't struggle with mental issues. You know, we do. We have those struggles. We have health challenges. And we think God is like, like us. He's not like us. He's not shifting around, changing, double talk. It's not what he does. That's what we do. But that's not him. And we think God is like a human. Can he be trusted? Because he didn't make me two inches taller. Can I really trust him? He doesn't shift around. Jealousy is very dangerous. Yeah. Why? Because it shapes our attitudes toward people. Yeah. It shapes our view of them. How we treat them. How we'll love them. Whether we'll have them over our home for dinner. It's a very dangerous heart condition. It's hard to actively love someone you're jealous of, right? It's hard to serve them. It's harder to submit to them. We just don't enjoy their company, bro, a lot, right? Try to avoid them in fellowship. It has to stop. Yeah. Are you not acting like mere men? Are you not worldly? And we, we see people doing it and we let it go on. And we don't get involved. We see it. And you, you know what I'm talking about. And we let it. That is wrong. Amen. To know the good you ought to do and don't do it. Sin. What's the solution? How do we keep our hearts from like going there? Because amen, we identified it, but how do we solve it? How do we overcome it? What, what can we do to exercise our hearts? Because when you have a heart condition, you have to start working out, right? Can health, eating right, doing proper exercise, calisthenics, right? A heart needs a new habit. It needs a new function so it can keep in rhythm spiritually. This habit, when you're jealous... And I think Karen made a great point. A lot of it is your, our walk with God, right? Connected there. But our habit, our repentance, it will strengthen your heart. It will guard your heart. And that habit is celebrate with them. Celebrate with those who you envy. Celebrate with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but really, like Karen said, truly, Rejoice with them. Look in the Bible here in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter uh, 
uh, 12, verse 26, it says, If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If one part suffers, we all suffer. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with them. Look in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. God wants every part, every member to rejoice and congratulate the success of others. Rejoice. We're very good at those who suffer. Like, wow, you got, wow. But how about rejoicing with them? How about being excited for them? How about being excited for your coworker who got the promotion over you? Man, wouldn't that be a, a tremendous, impactful situation that this man realizes, man, this guy is truly grateful and happy for me. And he may realize, I'm not so happy for him. I wouldn't do that. What makes him so different? And there we have God. And verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, the church. Each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, all those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? but eagerly desire the greater gift. Everyone's going to have a different gift, a different ability. Rejoice with that. Rejoice with them. Everyone can't have the same gift. God, is, God sets the church up where every part, every ability is used. And none is favored over the rest. Preaching is no, no more elevated than being an usher. Right. But that's how we view it, right? Who wants to usher? Well, that's not a very prestigious position in the church. Who wants to be a kid's kingdom teacher? Well, I like hearing the sermons. Right? God says rejoice with the abilities and gifts. Not be jealous of them. You know, I coached the soccer team this year. There was a little bit of jealousy in my heart. I have to confess that to Josh and all the other guys who played soccer. But I'm, I, I, I could have done that 20 years ago. You know, as you get older, you, you kind of wish you're young again. You kind of wish you, you had that same <clears throat> again. And a lot of it's gone. And my mind still thinks that I can still do it. And then I try running the hills and my body says, no, nah, you are way past your prime, brother. But in my mind, it's still, I think that I'm somewhere else. Right. And my, my reality of my body creates this, why don't I have that anymore? Imagine if you were loved. Imagine if you didn't skip this word in the part of the, 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 the definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Amen. When you see that coworker 
get lifted up, you as a Christian should rejoice with that guy too. When you see your brother and sister being lifted up by God, you should rejoice with them. Be happy for them. Love the brothers. So what does repentance look like? Celebrate with them. Celebrate when they increase their possessions. Increase their position, their leadership, their talents, their abilities, their, their accomplishments. Appreciate their intelligence and their logic. Yeah, I, I, I had a breakfast with Marty, brother over there, all right. I appreciate his intelligence and logic. Yeah. I learn a lot from that. He's very logical and analytical. I'm not. It was great just having breakfast and gone, ah, I like the way that thinking process is going. It encouraged me. Amen. Very good thinker. Devotion. Social standing. Personality. Celebrate. Those are good things. Because you bring that to God's church. And if we all put our abilities to use for God and His church, because what most people do is they go out and enrich themselves and make themselves wealthy and aren't close to God. God didn't give you abilities to enrich yourself. He gave us abilities to enrich and build up the church. Amen. Don't forever forget that. Your ability is not from your own. You didn't get it because you're so awesome. God gave it to you to do one thing, to build up the church. We've got four enemies. There's many more, but I just wanted to pick four because it's overwhelming to go beyond that, right? What's the habit for greed? Generosity. If you haven't given your special missions, I want to appeal to you to give it. If you haven't given it yet. Generosity. The new habit for guilt. Confession. Confess it. The new habit for anger. It's forgive. New habit for jealousy. Celebrate. There was a moment when I got to hand over our championship cup to our team that I didn't contribute to the finals and semifinals, but I handed it over and I was genuinely happy. You know, I, I was the guy that used to be in the picture before the game. Now I was the guy watching, taking the picture. But when they hoist the cup, and to look, their, look at their faces. Amen. To look at their faces of joy. I was so excited. In fact, I'm going to coach again. Because my, my, my temptation was, I'm going to start running and conditioning and doing thousand sit-ups, and then my body's going to fall apart and I'll be on crutches. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm going to coach again. If we put these into practice, if we put our habits, our repentance into practice, you will have built your house on the rock, and it will survive the storms that come. Thank you for allowing me to share and teach you about the four conditions of the heart. Thank you very much.